0: Strong Opinion Sports is powered by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 582. Welcome in. I want to be very clear. I'm not at 100%. I'm still very sick. Um, I am behind schedule. I have not gotten to everything I wanted to watch so far during NFL week two. I've had the worst headache of my entire life. I've been useless at times uh, in the last couple days. Uh I slept for like five hours, middle of the day yesterday. If you know me, that's something I never do. I usually work all day all the time. Um, so I'm behind schedule. Today we're gonna talk about Monday Night Football, both games, Carolina, New Orleans, Deshaun Watson, Cleveland, Kenny Pickett. I've got a lot to say about the Browns and Steelers game. We'll talk about some injuries uh, for that happened so far in the first two weeks of the NFL. Um but I want to be clear, my plan is tomorrow I'm trying to record two episodes. We'll do the fantasy football episode as scheduled later in the day, but earlier in the day I want to do another mainline episode of Strong Opinion Sports because I just haven't gotten to I haven't watched the the 49ers um, Rams game. I haven't watched all the games I want to watch yet. And so um, please be patient with me. I'm doing the best I can. I am not at one hundred percent. and really my only goal right now was to get to one hundred percent by Thursday by uh, sorry by Saturday because we get we're gonna have like the best weekend of college football in my recent memory and I want to be really ready, watch a bunch of football on Saturday, record a show Sunday morning, then watch a ton of football on Sunday, and then record again uh, about the NFL. So I want to be ready to go, maybe even recording a Saturday night uh, episode about college football. so I'm just trying to get ready for next week at this point, but I do want to, at some point, there's stuff I want to cover. I want to talk about Washington. and I haven't fully watched what they did in the first two weeks. I want to talk about them. I'm interested in their offense. So uh, please be patient with me. Now, before we get into Monday Night Football and talk about Cleveland and Kenny Pickett and Deshaun Watson, we got to pay the bills. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed, when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options from spreads, player props, overs and unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. And kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanDuel.com. Gambling Helpline MA.org or call 1 800 327 5050 for 24 7 support. Play it smart from the start gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, we are back. Um, Monday Night Football in Pittsburgh was a bad game as far as my preseason predictions go. Uh, Now, who cares? It's a prediction. I can live with that. You know, my, my goal is to, you know, be accurate. And when I'm not, I talk about it. I own it. It's my job to tell you what I saw on Monday Night Football. And what I saw... Was two really bad quarterbacks, Kenny Pickett and Deshaun Watson. The Pittsburgh Steelers beat Cleveland twenty-six to twenty-two. Kenny Pickett did not look good. That's frustrating. We'll get to him in a moment. I've got a lot to say there, but more importantly to me, the way Deshaun Watson has played and did play on Monday night was totally unacceptable. Deshaun Watson was twenty-two for forty passing. That's fifty-five uh, percent. Uh, that's a fifty-five percent completion percentage. He had 235 yards, one touchdown pass, three turnovers, two fumbles, and an interception. On the very first play of the game, Deshaun Watson threw a pick six. And uh, later in the game, Cleveland led. They had the lead, 22-19 in the fourth quarter. And uh, Deshaun Watson fumbled. TJ Watt picked it up, ran for the game, winning touchdown. Now, the pick six was unfortunate. It was kind of a miscommunication between him and his receiver, Ball bounced off a receiver's hands, deflected up in the air, grabbed, taken for a pick six. Regardless, though, the outcome is that Deshaun Watson's turnovers handed two touchdowns to the Pittsburgh Steelers in a game that the Browns lost by four points. That is totally unacceptable. Deshaun Watson was given a five-year, $230 million contract fully guaranteed. In the next three years, Deshaun Watson is scheduled to make are scheduled to have a cap hit of $63 million in each year. And that's not $63 million over the course of three years. That is $63 million each year total. So $63.9 million in 2024, $63.9 million in 2025, and again, another $63.9 million in 2026. So Deshaun Watson is getting paid a metric crap load of money and is not delivering on the field. It's really bad. It's horrifying. It's frustrating. And when Deshaun Watson struggled last year, I thought it was understandable. You could explain it away because he took a year off football, came back mid-season, went three and three. But now we're in his second year back. And I remember when Michael Vick got in trouble, went to prison, came back. He, He spent two years away from football. So he was in 2006, played a year of football, 2007 went to prison, 2008 didn't play football, 2009 came back and joined the NFL, didn't really do anything. In 2010, his second year back in the NFL, Michael Vick was amazing, had his best year ever as far as touchdown passes thrown, Won NFL comeback player of the year. So I know you can walk away from the game and come back and play at a high level because we saw Michael Vick do it. Deshaun Watson didn't miss as much time as Michael Vick and still somehow isn't playing well enough. We'll see. It's two games in. And week one, even week one, there was heavy rain. Joe Burrow struggled throwing the football, too. Like, I, you could explain away a lot of things. What I can't explain is this week two game where there's no excuses. You've got great weather in Pittsburgh. You've had a whole offseason to learn the offense, all of training camp to learn the system and be on the same page with everybody. And you gave up the go-ahead touchdown. And on top of that, the Browns still got the ball two times down, Four points in the fourth quarter. Once with six minutes and 58 seconds left, another time with two minutes and 55 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Both times, Deshaun Watson had the ball, game on the line. He couldn't put together a drive. Like, you can't pay a guy that much money for them not to deliver in big moments and not play well. It's all bad. And something really funny, by the way, is Baker Mayfield is doing better this year than Deshaun Watson. Remember, Cleveland dropped Baker Mayfield, to bring in Deshaun Watson, they said, ah, we don't want Baker Mayfield. You're washed up. They brought in Deshaun Watson, who has a really sketchy off-field pass, but they looked past it because he's a really great quarterback. Right now, Baker Mayfield and Tampa is 2-0. He's completing 69% of his passes. He's got 490 yards through the air. Three touchdown passes, zero interceptions. Deshaun Watson is completing only 55% of his passes. He only has 389 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions, and two fumbles. He did also run for a touchdown, but he's got four total turnovers. So he's got a lower completion percentage than Baker Mayfield, more turnovers, fewer yards, a worse record. Like, what? <laughs> it's so Cleveland that they get rid of Baker Mayfield, the hometown, the, the guy that, not a hometown hero, he's not from there, he's from Texas, but the guy who embraced the city, who loved them, won them a playoff game. They get they jettisoned Baker Mayfield. And now the best revenge Baker Mayfield's getting is by just having a good year. 2-0 right now, doing well. Cleveland isn't doing as well. It's kind of funny. It's the most clear if maybe there's a chance Deshaun Watson gets way better and really lives up to his contract. It's it feels unlikely, but it's possible. But how funny is that thought that is that not the most Browns thing ever? Take it rid of Baker Mayfield and have him go somewhere else and be eventually better in Tampa than the quarterback you currently have with Deshaun Watson. It's a long season. We're only two games in, but let's see what happens. It's going to be wild. Now, the thing I haven't talked about yet from this football game that is a big deal, it's massive. Nick Chubb, the Browns running back, had a horrific, horrific knee injury. And if you're watching on TV, I was. They refused to show it on TV. Probably a good move. I watched a video what are we, X? I feel like everyone who talks about Twitter down no longer knows what to call it because they renamed it X. But it's it's Twitter. Sorry. I saw a video someone sent me on the fantasy football league group chat uh, on Twitter, where they they didn't show the video on TV, but there was a video showing on the jumbotron in the Steelers stadium, and uh, it's awful, man. Like, don't if you have a squeamish mind and you don't want to see disgusting stuff. Do not look up the video of Nick Chubb getting injured because his knee bent in ways that a knee simply is not supposed to bend. It's horrifying. I I actually worry that that might be the end of Nick Chubb's career. He hurt the same knee that he hurt in college um, where he tore a bunch of ligaments in that knee. I don't know what to expect from Nick Chubb. I hope he comes back. I hope he can play well. It's a scary, rough injury for Nick Chubb. But the bottom line is that now Nick Chubb The Browns running back the focal point of their offense is now out for the year. And uh, this makes Cleveland's offense very interesting, not for necessarily a good reason, but because it becomes like a science experiment. I just want to see what's going to happen. Okay, what are they going to do now? Because their entire system was built around Nick Chubb running the football, his ability. Now he's out. So now what do you do? I am very skeptical of Browns head coach, Kevin Stefanski. Yes, he won a playoff game in 2020. That was an awesome moment. I was actually like a borderline Browns fan when that happened. I love Baker Mayfield. I was excited for Cleveland finally doing well. Like, yeah, they won a playoff game. And after that happened, all my emotional energy in Cleveland got shifted away to the Detroit Lions. Now I want to see Detroit win a playoff game for the first time in a long, long time. And while that was a great moment for Kevin Stefanski and the Browns, It was also three years ago. Kevin Stefanski hasn't really done anything since. He got Baker Mayfield run out of town. Baker took the fall, not Kevin Stefanski. Then they made a move to go bring in Deshaun Watson, who couldn't play for 11 games last year. So last year was basically a wash. Kevin Stefanski hasn't done anything since that playoff win. And this year, now with Nick Chubb out, he's going to get really tested as an offensive mind. I think it's really interesting. What is the point of paying Deshaun Watson a ton of money if you're not going to build an offensive system to fit him and his skill set? Because in 2020, Deshaun Watson, love him or hate him? And I don't, I'd do not i be surprised if anyone really loved him other than his, his immediate family. Deshaun Watson played really, really well. That's the last time he played a full year of football. He was a quarterback in Houston, and Deshaun Watson had... I remember at the time saying he's borderline an NFL MVP. Like his team was so bad around him and yet he made play after play and he never let the bad situation around him drag him down into having turnovers and making a lot of bad decisions and bad plays. And I went back after that Monday night football game last night, I went back and I watched some of what he did in 2020. I was like, am I, am I remembering things wrong? Cause I remember him being absolutely amazing in 2020. And just to double check, I went back to make sure my memory wasn't off. And no, no, Deshaun Watson really was incredible in 2020. Beating man coverage, making great throws, extending plays, running the ball well. But in 2020, Deshaun Watson ran a different system. He wasn't under center. It wasn't heavy play action. It wasn't a run first offense. It was a spread offense. So here is what I want to see the Cleveland Browns do. My plea Just, I am, I feel like I'm advocating on behalf of a Cleveland Browns fan. I want to see Cleveland build a system that fits their quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Have him in the shotgun a ton. Stop putting him under center. Have four to five wide receivers on every play. And they got the dudes for it. They got Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, David Njoku. He's a tight end, but can run really good routes. Donovan Peoples-Jones, Marquise Goodwin is a speedy guy, can get downfield. And if you spread everything out, it creates better matchups. It creates better running lanes for Deshaun Watson. I think it would be really interesting to see Cleveland do more of what we saw Deshaun Watson do in Houston in 2020. And personally, I want to see Kevin Stefanski overhaul everything. He was once the offensive coordinator in Minnesota, Ran the ball a ton there, came to Cleveland, been a run-heavy system. And, I, you know, I think that now without Nick Chubb, you have no reason to build an offense that way. You don't have a dominant running back anymore. And Kevin Stefanski may not make a sweeping change. He may not build an offense to Deshaun Watson. He might be stuck in his ways. But here's my advice for that. Deshaun Watson's owed way too much money for them to get rid of him. So if there's going to have to be a change... The coach is getting fired before the quarterback. It, it's just true. I mean, if you're not going to win this year, then they're probably going to make a change at head coach to get an offense that really fits Deshaun Watson. I think you might want to get ahead of it, Kevin Stefanski. Maybe make a change to build an offense to fit your quarterback. By the way, that's something every great coach does. I, I Even before the season started, I was like, I don't— I know they got Nick Chubb, so it's excusable because he's a great running back and you want to build the system that revolves around your great running back. Now that he's gone, what are we doing? Why is Miami such a great offense? Because they built a system that fits Tua, their quarterback, really well. What a great coach does is design an offense and design a system to fit the strengths of their quarterback. Cleveland hasn't done that. It's weird to me. And I think it's really showing Kevin Stefanski's weakness as a coach, his inability to adjust, his inability to adjust to the people he has on his roster. I think you could take a a lesson from Mike McDaniel, the coach in Miami. He has built a system that fits the quarterback. Why hasn't Miami done that? Why Why hasn't Cleveland done that? And again, like I said, if the Browns are bad and a change has to get made, They can't get rid of Deshaun Watson. He's owed too much money. They're going to have to make a change at head coach. So I think almost in a a manner of self-preservation, Kevin Stefanski has to make changes to their system. More shotgun, less under center, four or five wide receivers on every play. I think it's time to build an offense that actually fits your quarterback Deshaun Watson's skill set. If you want to win and keep your job, I think that's what you got to do. Now, um, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett was also bad on Monday Night Football. He was 15 for 30 passing, had 222 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Threw an interception on like the most basic play you'd ever seen. It's a slant. Grand Delpit stepped in front of it. It's like how do you not? I, I I was running that play in high school. I don't know. Like Kenny Pickett is is regressing so badly it's confusing because i i've seen him play way better last year i saw him make the same reading in college over and over again no problem later in the game he's rolling right try to make a throw along the sideline nearly got picked off it's a terrible decision i don't know what's happening to kenny pickett he's making me look like an idiot by the way I, it's okay with me i made a film analysis video saying why i think he's going to be better and he looks horrible he looks awful oh my god I don't know, guys. He looked good in the preseason. He did some good stuff last year. And then suddenly the NFL season starts and he's garbage. I don't know what to make of it. And it's not just that they can't run the football and the offensive line is could play better and they're playing great defense. It's that, no, it's some of it's on Kenny Pickett. He's making bad decisions. He's inaccurate. In the second quarter, he missed an easy throw to George Pickens where you're like, Kenny Pickett, you got to hit that. How, how can you miss that wide open throw over the middle? That's awful. So Kenny Pickett's not playing well. I am willing to be a little more patient than I am with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's had plenty of time. He's also getting paid way more money. Deshaun Watson's got to deliver. Kenny Pickett's a quarterback in his second year with a questionable offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. And in the first two games, it's not like Pittsburgh had an easy time. They played the 49ers defense and the Browns defense, two of the best defenses in the entire NFL. The only way it could get worse is if week three, they played Dallas somehow. It would be a, that's like the worst nightmare you could start the season with is 49ers, Cleveland, and Dallas. But two of the best five defenses in football, that's some bad luck if you're Kenny Pickett. By the way, with great pass rushers who get after the quarterback, Miles Garrett and Nick Bosa, who will absolutely dominate and destroy you. So I don't want to act like Kenny Pickett's been bad. I, sorry, I don't want to say Kenny Pickett's hasn't been bad he's made a lot of mistakes but he also has been a victim of circumstance playing great defenses uh on monday night pittsburgh only ran the football for 55 yards they were constantly in third and long situations and really the only redeeming play the only good play from the steelers offense on monday night was george pickens made a huge play took a crossing route 71 yards for a touchdown and it was 55 yards after the catch it was mostly george pickens by himself making a great play And other than that one great play made by George Pickens, Pittsburgh basically didn't do anything on offense all night. In fact, they got really lucky that T.J. Watt and their defense bailed them out. In the fourth quarter, when Pittsburgh needed a touchdown, you know who got the touchdown? T.J. Watt. Their defensive end, their pass rusher. Not their quarterback. Not their running back, Najee Harris. Not anyone on the offense. The offense couldn't score to save their lives in the second half. When they needed points in the second half, Pittsburgh could not score on offense. It's awful. And when Pittsburgh held on to their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, after last year, I didn't think it was great. I wasn't like, hallelujah, it's amazing. But I thought it was acceptable. And my argument was, I didn't want to see Kenny Pickett have to learn a new system in his second year. I thought it might make him regress. I thought Kenny Pickett having to learn a new offensive system might make him play worse this year. Turns out he's playing worse anyway. It's awful. It might have been a mistake keeping Matt Canada. Now, we're only two games in. Again, playing two of the best defenses in football. I don't want to dramatically overreact. But Pittsburgh is kind of now stuck with Matt Canada, at least for now. Uh, you're not going to fire an offensive coordinator two games into the year. That's I know they're chanting fire Matt Canada at the game, but that's not realistic. It doesn't make any sense. And Even if you fire him, you're still stuck with terminology and you can't just hire some random offensive coordinator off the street. You can't go hire Kellen Moore, for example, who got hired in LA with the Chargers. You can't go hire some great offensive mind because no one's going to leave their job midseason to come save Pittsburgh's offense. And you can't even do that fast enough midseason anyway. So they're kind of stuck with Matt Canada. And again, it's only two games, 49ers, Browns, two great defenses. But I am uh, – I'm concerned. Everything's been really bad for the Steelers on offense. It's been horrible. And it's not all Matt Canada. I know it's really easy to blame the offensive coordinator, certainly. And I don't want to be too harsh. There's a couple times there was a play where on third down, Kenny Pickett threw a flat route to the running back where they had a bunch to the left running back on the right and the three receivers bunched to the left ran over the middle of the field And they didn't really run routes. They just kind of ran in the middle of the field to occupy the defenders in the middle. The linebacker couldn't get through the wash to cover the running back in the flat. It's a good call to beat man coverage. Running back's wide open in the flat. Easy completion. Here's the problem with that play call, though. If the flat route to the running back isn't open, there's no other option to throw the football. And Matt Canada regularly, when he calls plays, it's like there's one place to throw the football all the time, which shows to me he doesn't trust Kenny Pickett, the quarterback. And uh, one second. Sorry, I was coughing up a lung. Um, Matt Canada is frustrating because I don't think he trusts Kenny Pickett implicitly. And a lot of his play calls are very limited. There's not a lot of options. There's not a lot of tags where if they're in zone, we go here. If they're in man, we can go here. If they like, blitz, we got a built in hot route. There's none of that. And so i that's the if you want to explain more clearly why Matt Canada isn't getting the job done. A, they don't look organized. There's like lots of little stuff, but to me, it's the, the play calling is really the simplicity of it. There's not enough options. Where if they call a man beater, there's only one place to throw the football, and if that route isn't open, you're screwed because there's nowhere else to throw the football. And if they play zone coverage, you're triple screwed. So it's to me, Matt Canada is so like a great play caller. Sean McVay does this really well basically on every play there's a hot route built in anyway a lot of times quarterbacks in the nfl have to say oh they're blitzing and so hey check check we got to do this and it'll give a signal to like their their number two receiver out wide who's going to adjust and run a hot route that's how it often works in the nfl when there's a blitz you have to recognize the blitz then have an adjustment at the line of scrimmage to tell your receiver hey run this route instead because we got to beat the blitz a great example though is matt uh, sean mcvay excuse me sean mcvay the rams head coach doesn't even do that often the Rams offense just has built-in hot routes anyway where you have an answer on every play where to go if they blitz and what to do here and there Matt Canada's offense is so simplistic that there aren't these built-in solutions to what a defense can do on every play and that's the number one flaw is if, if the play call isn't a great one given the situation the defense and what they're doing on defense it's, it's just a bad play call, and it's going to happen. You're kind of rolling the dice every time, just assuming Matt Canada is going to be absolutely right and have like a, an ability to predetermine what the defense is going to do. And so it's so reliant on Matt Canada being right with the play call that uh, I think it really hamstrings and limits the Steelers' offense, in my opinion. So I, I'm worried about the Steelers' offense. Uh, the next two games they play, at the Raiders than at Houston. Those are two chances to get going offensively. The Raiders aren't a great defense. Houston certainly is not. But another concern I have is that in 2021, Pittsburgh drafted a running back, Najee Harris, in the first round. Najee Harris is not explosive. Um, I'm not sure what he does at like a great or elite level at the running back position. I'm not sure there's anything Not to say I don't like him. He's an awesome person. His personality is great. I'm rooting for him. But in two games, he's got 16 carries for 74 yards. Uh, Najee Harris, uh, like, here's the thing. Even if Najee Harris was a great running back, I, I think the way to run the football is actually by investing in offensive linemen. Because linemen blocking are more valuable in the running game than a great running back. If you can have both, great. But in the first round of that draft, class. Maybe they should have drafted an offensive lineman. I think what you do is you draft linemen in the first and second round and running backs in the third and fourth round. But right now, it's looking like Najee Harris might have been not the best draft pick. I just have concerns across the board in Pittsburgh. I'm worried about them. I I think we already kind of see the Matt Canada firing coming, but they got to ride it out for a while. You can't fire him after two games. It's just not realistic. It doesn't make any sense. But I have... I, again, the, the the problem with the Steelers' offense is that it's so simple and it's so reliant on every call being perfect rather than having built-in systems to... Go watch, I can't... A third and three, I believe, throws a flat route to um, their running back for a first down. Great play. Big play, by the way. But watch the receivers running over the middle. They're not doing anything. Their their job in that, on that play is just to run into the defenders. They're not running a route, really. It's like a pick. And it worked out. It was a great play call. But what if... The defense had done something unexpected. Then suddenly, Kenny Pickett's holding on to the football in the pocket with nowhere to go with the football. Totally screwed. And that kind of stuff seems to happen way too much when I watch the Steelers' offense. It drives me nuts. Um, shout out to George Pickens, though. George Pickens uh, had four catches for 127 yards and a touchdown. But, uh, you know, I got to say, I feel bad for the Cleveland Browns' defense here. They played well enough to win. And uh, their offense, unfortunately, handed Pittsburgh two touchdowns. Deshaun Watson had a fumble and a pick six, both taken for touchdowns. Um, An interception, pick six, you know what I'm saying. It's sad, man. I I thought that the Browns defense played well enough to win. Their offense handed the game to Pittsburgh. Like, you you had a lead late in the fourth quarter. And Pittsburgh couldn't do anything on offense. All Cleveland had to do was, hey, don't have a costly turnover Deep in your own territory. What did Deshaun Watson do? Fumble the bag. Ball picked up. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Oh, it's so irritating. I, You know, it's like, man, how many missed opportunities can you have? Your defense did everything they possibly could. And uh, Deshaun Watson handed the game away. A guy making $230 million fully guaranteed. Unacceptable. Cannot happen. So I, I'm curious. Will Cleveland make a change on offense? Um it's more likely they're going to bring in Kareem Hunt at running back and do the same garbage they've been doing uh, for a couple of years in Cleveland. But, uh, you know, I, I think the the best move they can make is adjust your offense, change the system a little bit, and uh, start doing what Houston did in 2020 with Deshaun Watson when he was playing incredible football. All right. Um, <clears throat> the earlier Monday Night Football game... One second, I got I to... Gotta all right, we're back. In the earlier Monday Night Football game, the Saints beat Carolina twenty to seventeen, and uh, New Orleans is now two and zero for the first time in ten years, which I found shocking, given that Drew Brees played until twenty twenty. But apparently, true. I was like, wow, I can't believe it's been that long since the Saints started two and zero. This game was also similar to the other Monday Night Football game. This game was a defensive battle. It was literally six to three at halftime. Uh, a couple notes. So I was really, I'm just enjoying watching Derek Carr winning and seeming to enjoy football and be happy out of the Raiders organization. Good for him. But we do also have to acknowledge Derek Carr is not playing great football. He's he's fine. He's doing enough to win, I guess. But the reason why the Saints are 2-0 is not because of their quarterback. It's because of their great defense. And uh, that could change. Maybe Derek Carr improves as the year goes on. But right now... New Orleans is a defensive-led football team, and even if Derek Carr does improve, I I think that's going to be a a thing that will remain all year long. Now, the Saints do have two receivers who can win in one-on-one covers. I saw some great catches from Chris Olave and Michael Thomas. Chris Olave had a great catch down the left sideline where he literally used one hand, reached out, tipped the ball to himself, caught it on the rebound. Incredible catch. Michael Thomas had a back shoulder fade down the right sideline, down to the goal line. It was a beautiful catch. Uh, Michael Thomas had seven catches for 55 yards had a bunch of targets on third down it's kind of cool to see michael thomas back after playing 10 games in three years he's now played two weeks back to back you're like whoa don't get too crazy michael thomas you might get injured but man i I don't want to i don't i just it's cool to see michael thomas playing at a high level and i think part of why he didn't want to play a lot in those three years he was injured but then even when he was fully healthy remember there was the rona going around there's a lot of stuff happening and then he had quarterbacks he didn't believe and now he's got Derek carr and he's Seems bought in and playing really well. It's cool to see. Now, Chris Olave had six catches for 86 yards. That goal, If you haven't seen that catch on the sideline, look it up again. One hand, reaches out, tips it to himself. Beautiful, beautiful catch. Uh, Derek Carr himself, their quarterback in New Orleans, was 21 for 36 passing at 228 yards. No touchdown passes. One interception. Um, by the way, the interception was ugly. It was a horrible decision. I'm like, I don't... I don't know what you're seeing, Derek. And he's prone to that. Derek Carr about once a game makes a throw. You're just like, I, that doesn't make any sense, dude. Why the heck would you throw that football? That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I am hoping, though, that you know, we saw a throw on third down where through threw kind of behind Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas was still making his move on the defender. Ball came out behind him a bit earlier before he was ready. The timing and the chemistry between Michael Thomas and Derek Carr, I think, is going to get better as the year goes on. So it's very possible that... Derek Carr, who's 2-0 winning, but not winning because he's playing great. It's possible Derek Carr gets better as the year goes on, as he builds chemistry, and he is on a new team. So I think that's very reasonable to believe. And uh, Taysom Hill was actually the Saints' leading rusher. He had nine carries for 75 yards. Um, The next two games New Orleans plays, they play at Green Bay next week, and then they play Tampa. And uh, Jordan Love against the Saints' defense is going to be a really fun test of what Jordan Love can do, and then really learning what does Derek Carr look like on the road at Lambeau against. I think the Packers' defense is pretty solid as well, so that'll be interesting. It's a fun game, and then Saints against Tampa is going to be just really fun. I mean, it feels like Atlanta's in the mix for sure, um, but it does feel like after two weeks that the two best teams in the NFC South are Tampa and New Orleans, and I think there's potential there for a great game between New Orleans and Tampa Week Four. Now, the focus on Carolina, or the focus, I guess, in Carolina, he's the wrong context there. The focus in Carolina is on their rookie quarterback, number one overall pick, Bryce Young. Bryce Young was 22 for 33 passing for 153 yards, one touchdown, uh, had a fumble on Monday Night Football. He wasn't great. You know, Bryce Young was not outstanding in this football game. Um, the good news is he doesn't look awful. Uh, In fact, I would say Bryce Young in two games looks better than Justin Fields and Kenny Pickett. So that's a really low bar. They haven't played great either, but I have no concerns about Bryce Young. He's two games in 22 years old. He's a rookie. Um, Bryce Young is putting stuff on tape that he can learn from working on little details here and there. But, again, the good news is, like I said, there's no— I mean, we saw Derek Carr throw a terrible interception in this football game. I'm like, what are you doing? There was no moment like that from Bryce Young. There was no horrible decision. There was no terrible throw. There was no ball that you're like, what are you thinking, Bryce? Like, Bryce is a good decision maker, and he doesn't put the ball in harm's way. And so I, I feel good about Bryce Young. I really do. He's throwing the ball great over the middle. I would like to see Carolina improve throwing the ball down the sidelines. They're just not hitting those throws. That's, I feel like, an aspect they could get better at. But, you know, Carolina ended this game on Monday night with an 11-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. That made it 20-17 to when they got a two-point conversion. So uh, they couldn't recover the onside kick, but they made it interesting at the end. And I thought the final drive from Carolina was nice. Uh, Bryce threw a great corner ball to Jonathan Mingo. Like, there is some good stuff going on in Carolina. It's just not happening very often. Now, the bad news for Carolina Panthers fans is that the next four games look pretty tough. They play at Seattle. Then they play the Vikings. Then they play at Detroit. And after that, they play at Miami. So three games on the road, plus a game at home against Minnesota. Minnesota's not a great football team, but it's an evenly matched game. And they've got a—I think Kirk is slightly better right now than than Bryce Young is. Um— I worry Carolina might start the year 1-5 and five or 0-6. Oh so it's, you know, I'm not, I think long-term Carolina's in good hands, but short-term it's going to be a rough start to the year for the Carolina Panthers. But hopefully, what we can see for Bryce Young is just, even if they lose in the next four weeks, if we can just see Carolina making strides and getting better in little areas and maybe improving throwing down the sideline and having Bryce Young have more productivity and completing more drives. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you're looking for. But the good news is, again, I can't say this enough. He's not putting the ball in harm's way. There's no bad decisions. He doesn't look lost. He doesn't. He looks frustrated, and that's actually a good sign. Bryce Young will have a throw, and it's not working out. He looks irritated, like, oh, I want to be good at this, right? And I think that's actually awesome. I feel really strongly that as Bryce Young plays uh, throughout this year, he's going to get really good coaching. He's going to be watching stuff on film, and they're going to go, hey, you got to do this instead, correct this, correct that. And making corrections throughout the year is just going to make Bryce Young much better week to week. And so um, I don't know if they're going to win a lot between now and uh, the next four games, but I do think that Carolina's got potential to improve. And if we see Bryce Young, I mean, their season right now, it's all about Bryce Young. And if all you see from Carolina this year is Bryce Young just getting a little bit better every week, that's a victory. And I think the second half of the year could be a lot of wins in a row, maybe. If Carolina really gets going, Bryce Young keeps getting better. If they can get through these next four weeks after that, they get a shot to do something really good. So uh, I walked away, I guess in a weird way, encouraged about Bryce Young. Like I said, no boneheaded throws. And that that's so valuable. Like The game isn't moving too fast for him. He doesn't look overwhelmed. It just looks like there's little things he's got to work on. And so I can handle that. I feel pretty good about Bryce Young. Now, there were two injuries in this football game. Uh, Saints running back Jamal Williams hurt his hamstring. His head coach, Dennis Allen, said he's going to need, quote, some time. Uh, so I don't know how long that means Jamal Williams is going to be out, but uh, the Saints running back is currently injured. I-, I don't know what that means exactly. Some time is very nondescript, but it means he could play next week. It means he could be out a couple weeks. I have no idea. The more concerning injury is the Panthers linebacker Shaq Thompson, has a fractured, fractured fibula. That is the one of the leg bones uh, in your lower leg between the knee and the ankle. I believe it's the outside one. Uh, he's going to be out for the year. And so Shaq Thompson, that's a loss for Carolina, who I thought defensively has played pretty well in the first two weeks. And uh, yeah, losing a linebacker like Shaq Thompson, that's not awesome. Well, guys, um, I'm going to take a break. After the break, I want to talk about running backs. Uh, and then I want to talk about a quarterback who I think needs to make a really, really important change or else he's going to pay for it in a big, big way. Uh, I'm going to take a short break because we got to pay the bills. All right, we are back. Um, I feel like I haven't, exactly figured out how to send the show to break it. I just say, we got to pay the bills and I leave it there. I want to find some kind of way, like a catchphrase or a, I don't even know, some phrasing that's like a fun way to like send it into the break. I, I haven't figured it out yet. Like when I end the show, I go, i um bum bam, we are done. And when I start the show, oh my goodness, you know, good morning, good afternoon, that kind of stuff. Like I want to find some kind of little way I can, I like got a repeated phrase I can use that's kind of like a built-in, transition in my head to just transition right into an ad read I haven't figured it out yet but uh, I don't know if you got any ideas right in Um, now I want to talk about running backs because so far in the first two weeks of the NFL season we already have three running backs three major starting running backs injured in the first two weeks of NFL football Chargers running back Austin Eckler has an ankle injury. Currently, there is no timeline on his return, so we don't know how serious it is and how long he's going to be out. Giants running back Saquon Barkley has an ankle sprain. Uh, He's roughly out three weeks, although some people say it's week to week, and it feels like really he could come back. They play Thursday night against the 49ers. He's not going to play in that game. Maybe the following week is the earliest Saquon Barkley could come back. But still, Saquon Barkley missing time in an important season, in an important game for the New York Giants. Uh, and on Monday night football, I think we all know what happened. We saw a horrific, awful knee injury, uh, where Nick Chubb is out for the year. Hopefully Nick Chubb, his career isn't over. I mean, it was, it was a really, it was that bad. The knee just should never bend that direction. It's awful. It, It was just a really awful knee injury. Um, and unfortunately though, the narrative now, uh, has to be talked about, which is that All offseason, we talked about how teams don't want to pay NFL running backs. Teams just were not willing to shell out big, long-term money to NFL running backs. And uh, this is why, right? You wouldn't make a big investment like buying a home if you thought that three years after buying it, it could fall down. Or you wouldn't buy a car if you thought that two years from now, the engine might blow up. I mean, just the uncertainty of its availability long-term would keep you from making a big investment. That is why teams don't want to invest a lot of money into a running back. On top of the fact that, shoot, you can draft a running back in the third round of the draft. Isaiah Pacheco, the starting running back in Kansas City, was a seventh-round draft pick. They are paying him nothing to be their starting running back. You can get quality production from a running back at marginal money. Way less than Saquon Barkley is getting paid on a one-year deal. Way less than Josh Jacobs is getting paid with the Raiders. And, uh, you know, it's... It's unfortunate, but I think it makes total financial sense why NFL teams do not want to pay running backs big long-term money. The only answer is if you're a great player, if you're a great athlete, don't play running back. Like, avoid running back at all costs. Dylan Edwards, uh, running back at Colorado. I would say, man, if you can play receiver, play receiver. See what I mean? Like, you're not going to—I don't want to screw up what Colorado's doing, but that's a great athlete who, by playing running back, is going to shorten his ability long-term to make a lot of money in the NFL. Maybe we're way ahead of that, but that's the kind of guy I'm talking about. When you see a great athlete playing running back in college football, I'm like, mm, you should learn how to catch passes and maybe run routes because uh, if you want a long, great career in the NFL, it ain't going to be at running back because I don't think anyone is going to have a long, great career at running back for the foreseeable future. Like Derek Henry is going to retire and we're not going to see another guy like him for a long time. Maybe Christian McCaffrey's, I, I don't know. I just don't see a lot of running backs having 10-year careers in the NFL anymore. It's just not going to happen. So I, I think that, unfortunately, NFL teams not paying running backs makes a lot of sense. And uh, if you're a young guy in college or high school, playing running back doesn't make a lot of sense. If you're going to play in the NFL, like if you're, in a, if you're like some random running back in high school and you have no shot at college football, you're like a D3 running back, dude, just play running back, enjoy the game, have fun. If you're a world-class athlete, if you're like one of the best athletes in the country, play receiver. Play corner. Anything but play running back. They're not valued. They don't get paid. And they get injured a lot. All right. um, We got to talk about injuries with one other person now. Um, Colts quarterback Anthony Richardson got hurt at the end of the fourth quarter, week one. 59 seconds left, running on the goal line. He got freaking popped, man. And uh, so Gardner Minshew had to come in and finish the game week one against Jacksonville. And then week two against Houston, Anthony Richardson, the number four overall pick, rookie quarterback, playing in his second NFL start, got another injury for the second week in a row, got a concussion, didn't finish the game, left early in the second quarter. And Anthony Richardson is a really, really special athlete. He's run for three touchdowns this year. He's thrown for a touchdown, and the guy hasn't even played two full games. I mean, he is really playing well when he's available. But he's only played five and a half quarters of football this year. Like, it's not a lot. And what we're seeing from Anthony Richardson is that he, you know, we talk about Tua a lot. Tua's got to protect himself. He's got to slide. He's got to get down. And I think Tua's actually doing that this year. So now uh, the conversation has to go from Tua to Anthony Richardson. He's the next guy we got to say. This guy has got to take care of himself or his career is going to be really short. He got leveled week one. Go watch the hit. Go watch the end of... If you can't find it, a great way to find it would be just probably watch the Jaguars and uh, Colts week one highlights. I'm sure it's in there. I watched him just get obliterated by like three defenders on the goal line and you're like, ooh, that's a really bad hit. that's, That's not great. And so... Anthony Richardson has got to protect himself. He's got to slide. He's got to get down, throw the ball away, get out of bounds. Like Stop taking massive hits because while he is just an incredible special athlete, can run like no other, and he's got a great arm, it doesn't matter how talented he is if he's not available to play on Sundays. And so uh, I, I just think that there's got to be a conversation that. I'm sure they're telling him, hey, you got to take care of yourself, um, but – Man, that's the new guy in the NFL we got to watch out for because Anthony Richardson is putting himself in harm's way a ton. And uh, two weeks, two injuries, a really talented player having success. Anthony Richardson has four touchdowns in two weeks as a rookie, three rushing touchdowns, doing great. But you got to keep yourself out of harm's way, and uh, I would actually say I think for for only playing five and a half quarters, he already looks like the most talented. Rookie quarterback, most talented, most successful. He's got better numbers than Bryce Young does, and he's barely played. So I, I just I'm, I'm I'm pleading to Anthony Richardson, take care of yourself, slide, get out of bounds, get down. It's not complicated. I know it's you want you're competitive, you want to fight for every yard you can, but you got to be smart. And if Anthony Richardson isn't smart, if Anthony Richardson isn't smart, it's going to really really shorten his NFL career, and that would be a shame because he's a special special looking quarterback he's been really fun to watch and i would hate to see what happened to anthony richardson so i would hate to see what happened to rg3 who had this like incredible rookie year won rookie of the year have his career cut short by a horrible injury and uh anthony richardson is a similar level of electrifying that rg3 was like truly it's like wow this is really fun to watch but it doesn't matter if you're injured and so i, I am pleading with AR, take care of yourself Get down and uh, be smart. Guys, that's all I have. Um, I'm going to get this out. I've got a lot of football I want to watch. I'm going to record again another episode tomorrow, Wednesday. And then, uh, you know, we'll have one Thursday, Friday. We'll also have a fantasy football episode. I got four more episodes to record this week. I am on it. I love you. I appreciate you. I'm going to go now. I'm going to hang up because I want to just get right back into watching more football. But I, I wanted to pause what I was working on, record the show, and then get back into thick think of it. So I love you. I appreciate you. Have a great day. And I'll see you tomorrow. Ba-dum-bum. Bam, we are...